If I'm cursing at someone, it probably means I actually like them. Be advised. Hey y'all, I'm Jen. I'm from Oakland and I'm an androgynous, black, lesbian, feminist, and a lover of all black people. This is Darren. I'm an asexual novelist, researcher, and bona fide comic book fanatic from the widest part of Southern California. Orange County. We're queer millennials with three kids and nearly 20 years of marriage. This is a podcast about the realities of blackness, adulting, and relationships. This is That Black Couple. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello. Oh my gosh, I'm telling on you right now. <laughs> what? Audience, listeners, I want y'all to know that Darren was just doing ASMR before we hit the record button. ASMR. And and he whispers ASMR every time he does ASMR. But that's, that's what I was saying. Like, no one will know you're doing ASMR unless you say it's ASMR. You're not Otherwise, doing you're just, ASMR. You're just making Your noise. Your body parts are just loud, Darren. That does not make you ASMR. Just because your body parts are loud doesn't make you doing doesn't mean but, you're doing ASMR. But it's a really nice, high quality microphone, and so you can, no. you can hear like the crackle of my beard so clearly no. and crisply. No, you know? just because like, your beard is don't you crackle that beard? What? Don't you? I want, don't I, you? Cra- I want them don't, to decide. Don't you? I don't want them to decide. Do not crackle your beard. You're no fun. You are not <laughs> going to turn this podcast into an ASMR podcast. <laughs> It could, you know, we could do double duty. We are, we are not adding ASMR. I think that'd be a great, like, a, a calming beginning. We are not adding crackly beards to this podcast. I have boundaries. What about sipping water or sipping tea? We are not adding sipping and tasting things to this podcast. You're acting like the principal from Abbott Elementary. She's kind of the best character on the show, though. I so. love Ava. So I'll take it. But take you're it. acting like her. <laughs> I can always crack my knuckles, too. Anyway, this is That Black Couple. <laughs> this is season four, episode four. We're talking about Black History Month. This is part two of Black History Month. And this time, we're talking about the barriers to Black excellence. So it's interesting because we've been really running out of things to have folks sit down and drink because we've been doing this podcast for so many years. It's a lot of drinks. I only drink so many beverages. So I'm pretty sure they've repeated it at this point. They've got to repeat we might have maybe repeated like once or twice. I mean, we have to. But, you know, and I was thinking about this today because we've gone to the movies twice this week. And I was like, I feel like niggas should get like an icy. No, I'm I'm really, listen, I'm on that hydration shit. Like my skin is popping right now and like I'm feeling really good. I've been drinking lots of Gatorade. I've been drinking lots of water. We haven't done Gatorade. We haven't done Gatorade. Y'all drink them electrolytes, like get hydrated. Like I'm realizing, I just want this as an aside. Okay, I'm realizing a lot of my life I've been thirsty. Mm. 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 Just we're, thirsty. We're, a lot of us are thirsty. Thirsty. And and I mean that both literally and metaphorically. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm like, wow, I've been spending so much time pouring into myself and also drinking water. And I'm like, this has really changed things for me. There's a lot of things I don't give a shit about. And it's a lot of ways that my body reflects that because I'm not thirsty. Well, I mean, you know, we're trained basically to just run at thirst. Right. You know, just I've been run just quenching deficient. my thirst. I've been pouring into myself and drinking water. And when I tell you, like Angela Bassett wasn't lying when I said, Angela, Angela, oh my gosh, you're, you're aging in reverse. How do you do it? And she said, <laughs> it's water. And I looked at her and I said, she a lying bitch. I said, I don't know what water she drinking. I think I said it on this podcast. I yeah. said I said that water got to have nickel in it or gold speckles or it, it got to be the water that was blessed by God at the end of the Indiana Jones movie when he got the little cup and it was the mm-hmm. Jesus water. Like I was like, it had to be some type of special fountain of youth. But now that I'm actually just drinking water in the amount that you're supposed <laughs> to drink based on your body weight and your composition, I'm like, oh, she meant like just water in proportion to your body we, we gotta listen to her she was right and she said that like 15 years ago i'm like man I and she's really... still aging in reverse and she's still she's been doing it this whole time so i'm trying to catch up now i'm just yeah. trying to catch up now you no know, the secrets are in plain sight the secrets are in plain sight 
So I just wanted to share that. that that's what I've been doing. I've been drinking my liquids. I've been hydrating. Um, and my skin is popping. I'm not even really wearing makeup like that right now. I'm just like, bop out, wake up in the morning. You want that Alicia Keys? Don't do that. Don't do that. What? Don't do that. What? Don't do that. Don't do that. What am I? What I can see your facial expression, what? but they can't. What am I? What am I doing? Don't do that. What did I do? You know Alicia Keys got makeup on. It's a natural beat. It's a natural beat. These light skins. I mean, lies. Light skin lies. Anyway, have a seat. This is That Black Couple. I'm Jen. And I am Darren. And before we get started, I would like you to go ahead and follow us on social media. And even though Twitter is dying, you can find us there. You can find us also on Instagram at That BLK Couple. You can find us on Facebook at That Black Couple. You can always look us up on the internet at www.thatblackcouple.com. Couple.com. And you already know, you can find us everywhere. Anywhere they got podcasts, they got us. That means on Apple Podcasts. That means on Stitcher. That means on Google Podcasts. That means on Spotify. That means all of them places, wherever you at, where you listen to a podcast, you can find us. And so I need all of y'all to go find a friend and enlighten them to us you are so dramatic and just let them know wherever you listen to your podcast you can find that black couple so go find them there i want y'all to know he squeezed his eyes real real tight and and tilted his head off to the left i want them to feel the energy through the audio what is your hand doing that's that's what i'm saying i want them to feel the energy oh my gosh i'm directing the energy directly from my voice to the people Okay, well, oh, thank you, Darren. So, welcome. You're very, 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 so, very welcome. So, let do you want to get started then? I'm ready. Let's go. Let's go. So, let's start with segment one and think about first things first. What brought us to the episode? I will get started because I have thoughts. I have go lots ahead. of thoughts. I know we we talk about gatekeeping and yes barriers to to brilliance and all that yes. stuff all the time. Yes, so so I mean, you and I we've been together for twenty years, and you know I think that when it comes to like our our encounters with the gates of publishing and corporate America of uh, business, you know we've encountered a lot of different types of gates in our two decades together. Yes, and I feel like we can speak with expertise and experience about how we've navigated those experiences. And for me, I'm thinking a lot about, you know, the fact that white people have been primary gatekeepers in my experiences, especially like in corporate America, when I was first starting out, you know, the whole, you know, classism gap of like, you have to have these experiences and you have to have this network, but in order to have that network and those experiences, you have to already have them anyway. So like, how do you get them? Like you have to have a job to get a job, like all of that Mm -hmm. stuff is white supremacist and anti-black and all of it is rooted in this like racial capitalism that says that you know by the nature of being white you are inherently valued more your labor is valued more your presence is valued more what you have to say is valued more and i feel like for those of us who've had to really work for our livelihoods who've had to work for our success you know, like we've had to really rough it up in those gates, like with those white folk who were mediocre, who were taking up hella space, you know what I'm saying? Who got there because somebody's dad knew somebody else's dad or because everybody just went to college and got jobs doing the thing. So now they're there with you, even though like you had to work your fucking ass off to get there. Mm-hmm, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like you're sitting there and this is like the break, the big break of your life and for your family. And they're like entitled as fucking just got there after backpacking across Europe for two fucking years. You know what I'm saying? And I like, I feel like I'm describing like, it sounds like a sitcom, but that's actually my experiences. That's, I, that's actually happened to me. That's real life. And that's also happened to you. Yes. I know because I, I've been with you for two days. So I, I, I'm bringing all that up to say, like, there's that aspect of the gatekeeping that black folk come up against, right? That is a, a major barrier to black excellence because it, it delimits the, the, the ways we can move in those spaces. It also, you know, shapes how we're able to experience experience our own intellect and our own safety in those spaces um 
But in addition to that, you know, I've been thinking a lot about all these um, kind of like pendulum like swings toward the conservative right to tamp down on critical race theory and the teaching of race and ethnic studies and queer studies and disability studies and immigrant studies all across the country, you know, mm-hmm. and how everyone is is everyone who's taking up this mantle, this anti-CRT mantle is taking it up um, without even actually thinking about what CRT is, like what critical race theory is. So all these like really rich and important stories and narratives, um, you know, books that have been written by, you know, really diverse folks, trans folks, queer folks, you know, folks who just come from different places, you know, have been banned um, and have been, written out of curricula, you know, because people are afraid of, of learning about people's experiences, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and when I think about that and knowing that a lot of those impacts have affected black feminist writers, black queer writers, black trans writers, like that, that is an overt, you know, uh, barrier to black excellence. That is an overt Um, way that those kind of very mediocre white folk right enforce those boundaries um and they do it in a way that 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 uh parrots or like um uh you know pretends to be academic that's the i feel like that's the (laughs) ugliest way to do it right yeah like pretending as though they have some expertise um oh they have an expertise well, and stupid. Well, yes. Well, yes. So I've been thinking a lot about this um, conversation on black excellence and how hard it is it is to be black and excellent. Not because it's rare. It's actually really not. Like not. black folk are just really fucking dope. It's just really hard to exist as a black person in public. And uh, that's especially the case if you're a black person who um, knows who they are. And has has uh, the audacity, right, to live in a way that 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 uh, moves in your worth, and that's I feel like that's one of the primary barriers to to black excellence. It, it really, really is, and it's 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 one of those barriers that you feel like it's tactile, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I feel like it wraps around you all day as you as you go throughout your day, like in, in your daily walk, you know, at work, with friends, in social situations at the grocery store, mm-hmm. you know, no matter where it is, it's like, you know, it's like this pressure on you mm-hmm. that you're just bearing mm-hmm. and you have to then work so hard to overcome that mm-hmm. and then not just overcome it, but overcome it and be excellent. Yeah. Right. It's just that extra weight dragging you down. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's, that's one side of the coin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the other side of the coin is kind of what I want to talk about. Mm. Um, and this is this is something that I know when we were talking about this, you know, in the, over the last week, um, it's something that we kind of coined as the look what I can do culture. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, and it's really to me, it's it's mostly fueled by social media. And mm. it's this this need or this desire for attention mm-hmm. like I say look at me look how special I am look what makes me different mm-hmm. like look what makes me an, an individual look, mm-hmm. look what brings me value and worth mm-hmm. um and it's 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 really interesting because on the one hand like go for it be excellent be you be the best you be the full you you know and let the world see that mm-hmm. but that's that's part of what black excellence is is people being able to see mm-hmm. the diversity of blackness and how great we are in so many different walks mm-hmm. but i think where where that turns the wrong way is when it becomes so much about individualism mm-hmm. and not about community yeah right and i i bring up social media because social media is all about platform building like mm-hmm. how big is your platform mm-hmm. how many followers do you have what's your engagement like all these types of things of like Again, trying to put value on you. Right. You know, in, in a capitalistic sense. Absolutely. But the problem with that is I feel like with the look what I can do culture, it becomes so much about me and my platform and right. who I am and how many people know me and what I have access to and, right. and how much money am I, am I making from this. And like it becomes all of these different things and it right. doesn't become about making space for all black people. Right. It doesn't become about working with other people and kind of building up 
a community together. Right. It doesn't become something about the community as a whole. It right. becomes just about you. Yes. And I feel like that is also very limiting in a way because if you if you put yourself out there in the world and you kind of brand yourself as this is what I am, this mm-hmm. is what makes me special and important, that limits you to being just that thing. Yeah. That limits your own excellence yeah. while then also taking up space and taking up um, some of the air that could help other people be great and help other people be brilliant as mm. well. I mean, I, I think I think this is important and I think it's complicated because while I 100% agree that this individualistic kind of focus of social media right now is 100% rooted in capitalism and in these corporations' desire to exploit black cool, right? Like it's right. absolutely Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, figuring out that black people make culture and wanting to have that next thing that goes viral, right? They need that too for advertisers. So I get it. Like it's a symbiotic relationship between creators and platforms. I also think that like social media has been so critical to how people have, have developed themselves and thought about the totality of their identities. Like I know a lot of my black feminism was you know um structured by early conversations i saw between folks who were writing on tumblr and twitter in 2008 to 2010 right you know what i'm saying 2014 you know like there were early conversations that i think only could happen on social media because that's how folks from disparate locations and you know from different backgrounds were able to find one another and to connect and never would have in any other context. So I absolutely agree. And I think now in 2023, we're in this moment where that beautiful, organic, holistic approach to social media is kind of gone. And now the corporations have figured out like, oh, we should just use their same slang. We should just find out who the creators are. We should give them awards. We should invite them to our headquarters. We should, you know, mm-hmm. like they figured out how to kind of infiltrate our spaces. And it's just not the same anymore. It's not like if I hear one more white person saying that they've been invited to the cookout. Right. Like it's old. Right. And it's, and I feel like that's one of the things that's great about Black Cool is that we continue to innovate <laughs> and build and make better and, and make new and different. Right. Um, but as you just said, like that's that's one of the downfalls as well. It's like it's a constant infiltration. It's yeah, a constant trying to commoditize mm-hmm. our culture. Yeah, and not not just for consumption, but for public consumption. Yeah, to take it away from us Absolutely. for other people's benefit. Absolutely, this is why Instagram is incentivizing reels now, right? Yeah. Like it's like they have all these bonus programs where you can make a certain number of reels in a month and get paid for it. Right. Like they are absolutely making a system that encourages folks to do exactly what you're describing. Yep. And I get it. And it's kind of gross. It's gross. But at the end of the day, I think what it really comes back to is right. As you are doing that stuff, as you're building your platform, as you're putting yourself out there, as you're making, you know, a name for yourself, right. Make sure that community building is a part of that. Right? I agree. You know, boost up other voices, you know, partner with people. Right. You know, shine a light. Terrell Show. People. I think Terrell Show is a good example. Terrell Show is a great example. Great example. Right? You, like even the foundation of that is I'm going to bring people on yep. here and, and help. Yeah. As I'm building my platform, I'm building, building theirs, theirs as well. Right? Yeah. Great example. Right. Great, great, great example. And right. I, th- I feel like that's one thing that. We have to kind of keep in mind and we can mm-hmm. always do it in our in our own particular ways. Agree. This podcast is supported by generous donations from our patrons and listeners. Become a supporter today by heading to www.patreon.com slash color combos media. You can stream the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. When you listen, please consider hitting that heart button, sharing, giving us a five-star rating, and leaving some dope comments. This helps us with our paid drinkings and gets more listeners for the show. Thank you so much. We're back. We are back. Yes, we are. And now it's time for the conversation. Um, and to be honest, I don't, I don't have a lot that I really want to say on this because I don't want to go so far as to like single people out Mm -hmm. like say like 
this is a person who's doing something wrong and this is someone who's who's limiting black culture and this is someone who's holding people back Mm -hmm. but i just want to make a more general comment Mm -hmm. that i just feel like this is kind of spinning out of what we were talking about in the last segment where i feel like there are some people who are black Mm-hmm. who build up a platform, build up mm-hmm. a name, get some notoriety. Mm-hmm. And then once they get, you know, a piece of that pie, mm-hmm. it's like now they want to hoard the pie. Oh, absolutely. Now That's the thing. Now this is my pie. and we're, uh, You can't have a slice. You can't have a piece. This, yes. is, this is just for me. It's uh-huh. like it's like once you kind of get to a certain... Who are you talking about? I guess I'm not going to name no names. Why? Because um, I don't like naming names because I feel like... Benya Karras? <laughs> Byler Terry. <laughs> Just checking. Well, you know, you know, as you talk about these fictitious names right, that you just dropped, imaginary people. <laughs> it's not. It's not even just kind of getting that pie. It, to me, it's also. I feel like there's there's a call, mm-hmm. like with with great responsibility. Yes. You know, that is what that is what comes with getting these platforms, yeah. and these, these stations. Is, yeah. The Power. calling is greater yeah. on you. Yeah. And so um, someone I think that it, that's a pretty good example of this is Issa Rae. Absolutely. Right. Like she has continually, as her platform has grown, mm-hmm. really made a concerted effort mm-hmm. to not make it about Issa. Uh-huh. Like she continues to try to have programs to to give other people opportunities uh-huh. to spotlight, you know, other filmmakers. Uh-huh. Like this is something that she has really really i think done a great job of and not, not, not necessarily even gotten the kind of shine that she should have Agreed. for these type of efforts because again you don't have to do even it. In, even in who she hires to write and direct episodes she's even thoughtful yeah. about that i i agree and and that's i mean cr- there's a lot of critiques you can throw yeah. this ray sure he's his way there's a lot one you can't say is that she's not actually trying to give she's back thoughtful. and still and still platform build for other She's creatives I right agree. I agree. and there are other people like ben yukaris like you just talked about mm-hmm. ben yukaris where you know i this is my personal belief mm-hmm. but i feel like sometimes these people they they, they get that big name and they get that access mm-hmm. and then they're then starting to control the narrative yes and then in controlling the narrative that actually then to me start to do substandard work that's it that's it and then the reflection on us is what they create. That's it. That's and it. And it feels stifling. That's it. Once again, two black excellence. That's it's it. Stifling. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. And this is my issue, right? Because I was I was just talking to my girlfriend the other day, and we were talking about um, what movies I think are beautiful. She asked me what I thought was a beautiful movie, and I said Moonlight. Mm-hmm. And Moonlight, I would argue, is one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen in my life. I mean, I. I'm sitting here right now. I can close my eyes and I can remember specific scenes and how well shot and how well lit they were. Mm-hmm. And I think about something like that, right? About that kind of black excellence, right? How that can exist in the world, right? And how we, right? We say this whole, well, you know, black mediocrity should be able to exist too. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. But when we think, when we think about black culture, when we think about black art, unfortunately, people are not saying moonlight. They're saying the work of Binya Karras. Mm-hmm. They're saying the work of Pyler Terry. You know what I'm saying? Oscar winning film. And this is my issue. Best picture. Right. And this is my issue. And this is my issue is that, hmm. This reminds me of a conversation I had my very first year of grad school with a young black man who grew up in Chicago, but he was kind of, you could tell he was the black friend. Mm-hmm. You could tell he grew up around white people. And he told me, he said, Jen, how does it feel to be elite now? He said, you go, you go to your Chicago now, now you're elite. And I looked at him, I said, what the hell are you talking about? I'm a black girl from Oakland. He said, yeah, but now that you go here, Everything from now on is going to change. And I looked at him and I was like, wow, I feel bad for you because you don't understand that you are black. Yeah. You don't know that you are unassimilable and you are black and that elite for you is still not the same as elite for someone else. Exactly. And so that that band, right, that range 
of whatever elite is for you, whatever that actually looks like for, for you, translate, it still is not translatable to the people that you're comparing yourself to. Mm-hmm. And so what, what I struggle with, right, is that, that, that we can have Moonlight, which is a, a, a near perfect film, a near perfect film. Okay. Yes. And, and, and that not be the thing that black art be defined by, right? That that not be the thing when we talk about black men, mm. when we talk about, about the rendering of black queerness, when we talk about the, the, the expansiveness of black art, that's not the thing we talk about. But the thing that on the tip of people's tongues, on the tip of their tongues, right? That was, I'm getting sick and tired of broken promises, promises, tip of people's tongues. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> On the tip of people's tongues, right, is Benya Karras and Pilar Terry. Because they, because, because they are the black people in the room. They are the black people in the room endorsing white fuckery. Mm. And that is it. That is a barrier to black excellence. That is a barrier to black excellence. Because the more of those people we have who are in the room endorsing white fuckery, the more noise we have, the more static we have, the more trash we have, the more debris we have. When we have moonlight sitting right there, it's right there. We have it sitting right there, right there, right there, right there. I mean, I don't really like Atlanta, you know. Full disclosure, it's, it's not a show I enjoy. I've tried to watch it numerous times and just not enjoyed it. It's not for me. But there was an episode that we watched. Right. That was, that was about Pilar Terry. Right. And I was like, I might, this might not be the art for me, but the point that is listen, trying to be made here is on. Listen, when I think about what Jordan Peele, Ava DuVernay, Nia DaCosta are doing right my now. My God. Doing right now. That's, what, what are we talking about? The people who are endorsing white fuckery, and it exhausts me. I find it to be exhausting. And and it's one of those things, you know, and it, it doesn't just happen in film, but it's a great example. You know, when you think of, of, of white filmmaking, right, you're not thinking of Adam Sandler. No. Like, no shade. Adam Sandler movies be funny. I right. enjoy them. Ha ha. ha that ha. was really goofy he, he, and stupid. Goofy. Ha, ha. I got a nice laugh. But when I think, what does white filmmaking look like? I'm not thinking about that movie. Right. So why why do we do that with black folk? Right. Why why is it that we are being defined by right. the mediocrity? Right. And it's as you said, it's because those are the, the men in the room <laughs> with the white people endorsing and the I white get it. it's anti-black i understand it's anti-blackness it's white supremacy at work i understand the structure of it i understand i understand but i also think that this idea that we should be like oh you know black folk get to be mediocre too i just think there's more to the conversation than that right i don't actually think it's about being mediocre that the it that's the issue right i think that there's tons of mediocre black filmmaking that's really good shit and like really culturally interesting and mm-hmm. i i watch it like i i listen it's some shit that i watch that come up on hulu or whatever and i'm like listen this is this, the, the budget was only uh, whatever they had in their pockets you know what i'm saying right. but it's good shit it's not the mediocrity it's that's not what the issue is that's not what the issue is i think i think it's much more complex than that i think that there needs to be some interrogation of the fact that we as black folk are expected to digest constantly these films and these uh, shows and whatever media that that reproduces and reminds us of a, a subordinate position that we are expected to hold um, and is not only a, a reproduction, but is made through the lens of someone who identifies as black. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a double kind of violence, right? It's like, you know, here's the message that's fucked up, but also don't shoot the messenger. They black. Like that's, <laughs> that's, it's not mediocrity. That, it's like, that, let's, let's, let's have a white person create a message. Right. Give it to a black person to deliver it. Right. And, and then, and then, and then the white folk are going to pay them to make it. Like that's, right. that's, that's what I'm talking about. It's not about the mediocrity. It's about the message. And I don't, I don't think that, 
mediocrity and these anti-black white supremacist messages are synonymous. Mm -hmm. I don't, and I also don't think that they are mutually inclusive. I've watched many a mediocre film. Niggas who know me know I'll watch them twice. Okay. Just to check, just to check, just to check. I got to see. I grew up watching a lot of films, okay? Me and yeah. my mama used to watch Blockbuster was our thing, okay? I watched a lot of movies. So I have a high tolerance for mediocre film. It's not the mediocrity. It's the fact that we are constantly forced to digest these messages that treat us as subhuman. These messages that tell us that we are worth nothing. These messages that tell us that we should be entertained by our own oppression. Yes. And I don't find that to be funny. It's not. It's not funny. This is your segment. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, I mean, as you're talking, honestly, it's reminding me of a movie we watched this week, mm-hmm. The Reading with Monique. Yeah. And this movie, listen, it came out on BET Plus. Yeah. You know, this this is not the biggest platform. You know, it's not in movie theaters. No. You know, it's it's not a big Netflix release. And you can tell the budget. Budget wasn't big. The budget wasn't budgeting. They shot it in maybe nine hours. You know, they 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 stretched that budget as far as they could stretch it. Mm-hmm. But that movie, there wasn't no nighttime. There was no nighttime. It, yeah, it took. They it, shot it in the afternoon. Yeah, it was. It was. It was one afternoon. It was one afternoon. Mm-hmm. One take. But the movie was a good movie. It was a good movie. It was a good. It was movie. a good movie. The acting was on. My, it was my girlfriend did not like it. She was not entertained. She yeah. was like, mm-hmm. it's, it's not. It's not for everybody. I enjoyed it. But it's but to me it was it's an example of black excellence because it was like I'm gonna take what I got and right. I'm gonna I'm gonna make it something right. unique right. and different. Right. I'm gonna make it stand out. And listen, Mama Momo, she uh she <laughs> she was acting. If if you wondered why she got that Oscar, she, she was acting. She brought it on back. She was acting. She was acting. She was <laughs> listen, acting. Listen, I'm not gonna spoil the movie for nobody, but if no. you watch this, like I don't remember how old Monique is. She looked good. But She's running in She's this running. movie. She's running. It was the speed like, for you know, me. Like, you know when you watch movies and they run and it's like, it's not like a real nah. run? She was running, She running. was giving Naruto. She was, she was, she, like, like, yeah. like you would run and then you would need to, like, bend over to your knees. And, and she did not and, have, and she was bit. not breathless. She she was. Her chest was not heaving. She, she was in it to win it. She was good. Okay. She was good. And to me, and that's the thing, I'm like, you don't see that in no movies. You don't see yeah, people nah. really, really running. Nah, nah, nah. They got a chainsaw behind them, and they're not, nah, they're not nah. really running. Nah, Monique nah. was running, she running. Was, she was out. Okay. Yeah. And and this is and that to me is a great example of doing something different. Doing yeah. Something that wasn't brilliant. no. That wasn't no Oscar worthy film. It, was, wasn't it no, wasn't. Listen, that was <laughs> okay, but but it was good. But but it, I enjoyed but, it. But it was black people behind. It was that. black folk doing it black, black people. people. It was in very. Front and it it the was camera. very culturally accurate. It, it was a black folk film, and you know what it didn't have problematic messages that told anybody who was watching it that black people wasn't shit. That's all I'm asking it, for. Exactly. That's all I'm asking for. That's it. That's it. And I'm it wasn't not, and it wasn't that they was all the Huxtables or Right, nothing, no. I'm not asking for perfect films. Yeah. I'm not asking for everything to be Oscar nominated. I'm just asking for us to not reproduce our own oppression, to not be complicit in the in the narrative that tears us apart. That's I'm it. I'm just asking for us to not annihilate ourselves. Is that a lot? I don't think that's a lot to ask. It's not too much to ask. I just don't want any more. I think the archive is chock full of those. I think we've got enough of those. We don't need any more Tyler Terry and Binya Karras. Is it my turn? It's your turn now. Okay, so I'm going to keep it short. (laughs) I'm going to keep it short because I went over. So let me just say in summary, fuck Team Vogue. I've been writing for them since 2018. And now I can't get no responses to my emails. White women, white women, white women are really white women. White women, let me say, okay, one of them did respond to my email. She was like, I respond to all your emails. Like she don't take my pictures no more, but she responded to my emails. Okay, let me stop complaining. All I'm saying is y'all, I'm not telling y'all what's going on. So what basically is happening is I noticed in February that Teen Vogue ran an article. Black History Month. During Black History Month about black reparations. And I noticed that the author of the article was a white woman. It was especially upsetting to me as someone who's written for Teen Vogue since 2018 on a host of issues, but specifically about white supremacy, gender, race, social movements. So 
black reparations fits very squarely in a column that I've had for a yes. number of years. Yes. I've been pitching the column for a while. My old leadership team is completely gone and I haven't been able to connect it with the team that's there now. So I thought it was particularly absurd in this instance when I've reached out and reached out and reached out to no avail that the article that would be very much so squarely in my wheelhouse was not only assigned during Black History Month to a white woman, but assigned under the header of the OG History Series. The OG History Series was a series that was started during the time that I started a Teen Vogue with another editor who came up with the series in concert with me and several other of her own team members. She wanted to make sure she had scholars and grassroots activists and organizers and people who were directly affected by issues on the ground writing about the things in her column in her editorial section so Mm -hmm. she called it og history to say these are people who have known what's going on and these are people who have really got something interesting to say i was one of the early people to write for that a couple of my other colleagues were people were getting book deals from that like i got a book deal from that like it was a big big deal so it was especially it was especially offensive when not only did this white woman write about black reparations during Black History Month for Teen Vogue, she also wrote it under the OG History series. And she is not an OG historian, as far as I know, because OGs only refer to black folk, mm-hmm. um, but also because she's just a freelance journalist. The whole point was that it was experts. The whole point was that it was at, it was people that actually were affected. It was folks of color. It was queer folks, trans folks, disabled folk. It was some, It was something different. And it was just so hurtful to see it watered down like that. So I emailed the team and it was just the most dismissive response that I've ever received. And it reminded me, oh, these are white women. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, I don't think that they're all white. Not all white. Not all white. I think there's some spiciness in there, but they're, you know, they're not black. And, you know, there's just, there's just something about, um, dealing with the publishing industry where a lot of the folks you come to contact with are white women are, you know, non-black women who really do not have an investment in the work that we do Mm -hmm. um, and in our communities and in our archives. And it was just, I don't know. I think it was like a really rude awakening for me. It, I mean, it was, it was a rude awakening, but it's, it's a reality. Right. And it it also, also reminds me of uh, a video I saw this week. Uh, where a black woman was talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, mm-hmm. and it has become realistically a big, a big charade. It is to basically mask people not really working on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Right. Because when you look at the people who are leading these these DEI departments, more often than not, they're white women. Right. right? And and realistically, if you were if you were really really about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Why would why would you always have white women filling that role, right, right? Right. And it's one of those things where you know it's like we can get a white woman because look, then it's not a white man, right? <laughs> and it's like they will fill that role, and that gives you cover, right? And it's all about cover, right? And it's the same thing, like um, w- w- with your issues with Teen Vogue. It's like this, it's this issue of of white women being emboldened into right. taking up space, right? Where others should be right right like that article you know i can't i can't fault the writer too much yes you can hold on i can't fight fault the writer too much right because at the end of the day this is the outlet that it's that it falls on the outlet at the end of the day but at the same time as the writer why did you think why did you think oh black history month i'll i me white woman We'll write about black reconstruction. More than more than likely, the editor went to her and asked her for it. Exactly, and that's why I said she it, said yes. That's why I say it falls. You know, at the end of the day, it falls on the outlet. Mm-hmm. But still, you know, she. You don't have to say yes. No, you don't. You, you could, could say, say, "Hey, I think someone black should write that." I don't think during Black History Month, which is what my comrade, which is what my comrade Olivia Cole always does. She will literally say, "I should not write that. I shouldn't write that because she should." That's it's not. It's not yours to write. It's not yours to write. And that's and That's, that's actually fine. how I got my first byline at Team Vogue because Olivia Cole said, I shouldn't write that. Jen Jackson should write it. Perfect example. Perfect example. And that's why I say the same thing with, with DEI, right? Like, 
Why do you think that you should be the person? But here's the thing that's really, here's the thing that's particularly exploitive about it, right? Is that, um, you know, they, it's like they get proximity to black folk, to queer folk, to trans folk, to folks at the margins to kind of sop up that information and then they infiltrate and mm-hmm. then they make it there. So like what happened, for instance, with Teen Vogue, right? Like, you know, I got really comfortable. I wrote everything, gave them all this information, whatever. And, you know, then they start sharing all my articles. Every single year they repost all of my articles that I wrote back in 2018. You know, I, instead of actually having me write a new article, which is really fucked up. So every year that, you know, my platform gets bigger or I've done something else, they just share my articles just to kind of piggyback off of my, you know, work and my growth. Right. You know what I'm saying? But then not taking any new pitches from me and not wanting to work with me, you know, and not responding to my email. So it's really fucked up. And I think it's one of those things where I had to, I had to sit and be like, oh, girl, like, what is you, what is you doing? Right. Because I think to some degree, it's like I had some type of loyalty because of the team that I had worked with. And it was right. a dope ass team. Like, you it was built a, something amazing. It was a cute little queer team, you know what I'm saying? Queer trans team doing dope work. You know, who's doing dope work, like, like path breaking work, you know what I'm saying? And it just feels awful to, to know that that's over, to know that that's over. But I think to connect it to the DEI thing, I, you know, I've also noticed that this, this is a trend now, right? Mm -hmm. Like the, the request, I was talking about this on Twitter the other day um, with a couple other writers and, and speakers about, um, the, the, the lower requests for talks. Um, in the last couple of years, like in 2020, like I remember I, I could barely 2020, 2021, I could barely get through black history month and women's history month because I had so many requests for talks. And that's when I was like, I got to get an assistant because I couldn't, I couldn't manage my schedule anymore. Right. Like I was, right. I was getting to the point where I was doing two talks in a day, you know what I'm saying? And by 2022, that was probably cutting like half. And this year that's probably cut like 75%. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I think that um, that is indicative of this moment where folks really don't want to talk to black folk no more. <laughs> like, I think <laughs> I think they're like, yeah, Colin was kneeling and we want our football back. And, you know, LeBron was angry, but we didn't trade him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Black Lives was mattering, but mm, do it, was, it now. It was cute for a minute. Right. I mean, like, Police violence was at an all-time high last year. It's been on the rise since George Floyd, you know? And people are not paying attention. We tried to run a mutual aid campaign two years in a row, and people are not even giving to mutual aid anymore like they used to. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's it's really coming off like people have um, kind of um, doubled down on their own um, kind of personal world. Yes, And I get it because we've been through a lot, but I still remember at the very beginning of COVID where folks were looking outward and wanted to help people and wanted to, and wanted to support one another. And it just doesn't feel like that right now. You can find my mom and dad, AKA that black couple on the web at thatblackcouple.com. That black couple is owned and operated by color combos media. If you would like to help fund our content, sign up at www patreon.com slash color combos video please consider giving us five or ten dollars per month to help us build our platform and grow our organization you can also give one-time donations at www.paypal.me slash color combos media all donations are welcome all right we're back we are back this is the last segment and let's go ahead and you know give some reflections um i i i want to I want to drop some spoilers for i'm people, cool with it for people who watch abbott elementary i'm so sorry y'all i apologize the episode that aired on february 23rd um i'm about to drop a little spoiler you know what i'm saying so turn it down if you don't want to hear it only i'm giving you a warning i mean you're not gonna spoil none of the jokes okay so it's okay so anyway there's a part on abbott elementary where um one of the main characters his name is jacob he's a white dude very well-meaning white dude with a booty chin you know what i'm saying gay very cute um he gives jewish is he jewish i'm just assuming he's jewish he just gives jewish 
He um, gives Jewish, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know. He gives Jewish. Um, he always wearing sweaters with the collar on the t- on the front. You know what I'm saying? Just very pleated, pleated pant type nigga. And he's very sweet. And they're at a conference, at the PESCA conference. And um, he meets up with this other school. And they kind of match his energy because they white and corny. And so he's like, oh my gosh, white and corny people. His normal school, Abbott Elementary, it's a lot of black people there because that's the hood. They in like the hood of Philly. And so he meets up with these other people and he's like, oh my gosh, wait, y'all like the same kind of games as me? You got the expansion pack? So he like figures out that they are like his kind of vibe. He goes and hangs out with them and has a great time. Fantastic time. Great game. Blah, 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 blah. Everything's wonderful. Oh my gosh, these are my people. And then when they start speaking about him coming to work with them at their school, they basically say to him, you know, hey, you should come over here with us because this is where the, the you know, high performing kids are. These are the ones that are going to get out. Um, that's, that's where you should come. And he's like, what do you mean? The ones that are going to get out, get out of what? And he kind of realizes that these, these teachers are like high key anti-black. Like they absolutely are looking at these particular kind of talented 10 type black kids and saying, these are the ones worth teaching. These are the ones worth investing in that other, you know, 90%, um, we're not going to concern ourselves with. And he's so disoriented by this. He's so disillusioned by it. And I really liked this moment on the episode. I thought it was so important because it's not just those racist ass white teachers who feel this way. I absolutely had black teachers who treated me like that. Yep. Um, I absolutely had Latinx teachers who treated me like that. I had Asian teachers who treated me like that. I've had every race, shape, color, creed, size, religion of teacher to treat me like that, not because of who they necessarily were, but because I'm black, right? I'm a black girl from Oakland. Yep. And I really, I really feel like when we talk about barriers to black excellence. We don't talk enough about how our own, again, our own complicity, our own beliefs about the possibilities of blackness, right? Because that talented 10th shit is really our limited imagination for blackness it's us saying well them 10 percent, they great but the rest of us i don't know because we have a limited imagination of what we're capable of mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying so i i really feel like you know we don't talk enough about how limited we are in our imagination for ourselves and i feel like that episode was so critical in showing that not only is it a thing that happens? Absolutely, it happens with um, like these teachers and these institutions. We know that, but we also internalize it and we do it to mm-hmm. ourselves. And that, and that's the thing, you know, kind of kind of spinning out of that. The thing that, that I wanted to talk about was really this concept of not knowing what you don't know. Yeah. Right. Like, and you kind of brought this up kind of in the very beginning of the episode where it's like, you know, you kind of have to know people and you have to have it in. And like, if you don't have that stuff, you don't realize how valuable it is or, or, or how that might stunt your growth or make things more difficult for you. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, it's the same type of concept, right? Like if, if you are internalizing that type of messaging that, oh, well, your outcomes are just limited or you're, you're not going to be able to do as much or you, it's just not for you to be this or, or to, to do that or to achieve, you know, specific things. Right. That is that is that is an internalized limit on mm. your own capacity for brilliance, mm-hmm. which is which is probably the worst and the saddest and the most disheartening yeah. type of barrier when, yeah. when you are limiting yourself. And it's not just that you're limiting yourself, but it's that that has been institutionalized into you. Yeah. And so we have to consciously kind of fight against that. Yes. And anytime that you feel imposter syndrome where you feel like, oh, Maybe, maybe I'm not smart enough. Maybe I don't belong not, here. You know, maybe, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe, you know, this is for white people. You know, whenever you have that, like, that's one of those things you have to really interrogate and, mm-hmm. and fight it and, and say, where is that coming from? Mm-hmm. I mean, to be honest, there's probably some spaces that 
Maybe we shouldn't you, be in anyway. You don't want to be. As right. A, it's, not, but, it's not for us, and that's okay. And that's okay. But but again, you have to really interrogate it and say, where is that coming from? Mm-hmm. Is it coming from because this really just isn't a good fit for you? Mm-hmm. Or is it coming from a place where maybe your coworkers look at you mm-hmm. sideways? Or, or when you're in a space, like, it just feels foreign your to you. Your past trauma's coming up. Yeah, your past trauma comes yeah. up, right? Or, or think, you know, things that people have said to you, little, little comments that people have right. made. Is, is that where that's coming from? Right. And, you know, we're, we're talking about barriers to, barriers to black excellence. Right. And at the end of the day, right, the barriers are going to exist. Yeah. Like, white yeah. supremacy exists. Black, yeah, any it's blackness. Here. Yep. It's not, it's not racism, trying to give up. <laughs> no noir, ableism, trans, yep, trans noir. And we, we have to be aware of those barriers so we, so we know the, the playing field yeah. that we're working with. Yeah. I think, I think I appreciate where we're going with this because I feel like what we're saying is like, listen, like, these institutions go institution, these systems go systems. But are you right with your body? Are you grounded in yourself? And do you know what you actually have to offer? Right? Like, it's like, I feel like I, I feel like as I get older, as I get closer to 40, that has become so imperative. Oh, shit, look at us full circle, bringing it back to uh, the, the intro, talking about um, hydrating myself and pouring into, my, <laughs> pouring into myself. Okay, do it. look at that. Look at us bringing it all the way back. <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think that as I've gotten older, I'm realizing how important it is to check in with how I feel in my body, like what's happening actually in my body. And I feel like my primary barrier to to my own excellence for most of my life was trauma. It was trauma that I hadn't had the tools to navigate yet or that I was still struggling with or that, you know, I still was kind of like in a place of, of tenderness with and not knowing that or not, not understanding how to do anything about it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, I really, really feel like when black folk step fully into our peace, like fully into our groundedness, fully into knowing ourselves and like getting right with our spirits and our bodies, that's when we're the most fucking excellent. Like, that's when we're like, systems be damned. Like, we, we, we fucking, we, fucking navigate that shit we figure that shit the fuck out we defy logic we defy shit and i don't know how we do it you know what i'm saying like i don't know how we do it and this is not to say that we're superhuman or that we're magical because we're not we're absolutely human but we are survivalists you know what i'm saying with moxie and we know how to survive and we've been doing it for generations yeah so i just feel like you know that for me is the key to to my black excellence and has been getting to getting to a place where I'm like, I feel really good in myself, in who I am, and how I move through the world, in my choices, in what I in what I in what I emote, in how I in how I relate to others. Like getting really good with me mm. so that I'm equipped to encounter those systems with everything I got. Cause you're gonna need it. You're gonna need it. Thank y'all for listening. Before you go, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ThatBLKCouple, on Facebook at ThatBlackCouple, and look us up on the internets at www.ThatBlackCouple.com. Bye!